Well, hello, Fellowship family. Welcome to continuing the conversation as we go through this series called Our Cultural Moment. This week, week five, we're looking, looking at uh, our faithful presence in a secular culture. And um, we talked about, as we, as we began, we talked about your common responses to the secular world around you. Uh, with each of these topics so far, whether it be sexual integrity or sacred life or gender identity or even race, there's been this concept of connecting to and aligning to Genesis 127 as you've developed and tried to cultivate a heart to see people and treat people and value people the way God does, created in his image with dignity and value and meaning. And so when we think about our relationship now with the culture, there's common responses uh, within the church uh, to our culture. The first one we looked at was this concept of uh, conforming to it or aligning to it. And none of us wake up going, boy, I hope my life looks like the world as a follower of Jesus. But there's different compromises we make to be so much like the world that there's no more difference of Jesus in us. And so that might be a response. It just might be our tendency. Look, the world has a credible hold on me. I'm tremendously influenced. Wouldn't that be in an honest moment if we all kind of confess the ways that the world has has moved us to align to it rather than uh, us aligning to Christ and changing this world. But then there's a second, there's a second response to the world, and that is to overthrow it. And uh, through power and position, Christians have been tempted to join in different arenas, whether it's business or media or politics, to change the, the culture through kind of overthrowing it. And Jesus was no stranger to that. Many of his disciples were zealots, which were a group of Jews who wanted to overthrow the Roman Empire so that they could hold on to the land of Israel and bring back the original Israel. You even see a kind of a tenor of this on Acts 1 when the disciples asked Jesus after he resurrected, um, are, is now the time when you're going to restore the kingdom back to Israel? And Jesus said, ultimately, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and all Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so his call was for a different kingdom, even than the one that they wanted by overthrowing the Roman Empire. But we have that temptation to do that, to overthrow it. And then there's another common one, which is withdrawing from it. And whether it's by fear or frustration uh, with the culture, not wanting its influence in our family or in, our, in, in what we can control as we withdraw from it, we kind of build the holy huddle. We're just focused on the people who matter most to us and trying to protect them, more of a defensive posture to it. And uh, we asked the question, what, what has been kind of your prevalent response to the culture? Because the whole message was about developing a faithful presence where we're faithfully holding on to the hand of the Lord, but we're also present in the culture. Uh, we're showing up, we're at the table, but and we're not withdrawing, we're not trying to overthrow, we're not being motivated by power or, fight, or by fear, but we're in confidence and courage with Christ, holding on consistently to the word of God and compassionately to the world around us. And one thing I'd like you to do is start out is to talk about, talk about this, your common response to the secular culture. And to prime the conversation, I want you to welcome Brian Trias with me. He is our pastor of ministries here at Fellowship Bible Church. Brian and I do a lot of sharing specifically relating to the culture and the type of church we want to be. And so 
Brian, um, when you think about those three responses that we started out before we presented the faithful presence, what has been more of a tendency in your life as you think about the secular culture? Yeah, I think it's I think that's a great question, and I think you really nailed the th the three avenues that we tend to go. For for me, I think it's the withdrawing from. Mm -hmm. And it's not withdrawing to set up my own systems, but it's withdrawing and just trying to avoid it. Don't want to come into contact with it. Don't want to deal with these issues. Don't want to be, don't want to be tainted by this thing over here. And so if I can just move myself away and kind of put my fingers in my ears and mm -hmm. maybe it will just go away. Okay. So can I give you a follow-up question that's totally sure. off script? How has that worked? It, it doesn't go away. Why? Because culture continues to advance. It's its own kingdom that's trying to continue to build itself. And you have to figure out how to engage with it. And if you don't figure out how to engage with it, if you don't figure out how to teach the people in your family how to engage with it, they're just going to figure it out as they go. And mm -hmm. they're probably going to end up adapting in some way. Or they're going to probably end up angry and trying to overthrow in some way because you can't just avoid something that's all around you. You have to figure out how to be that faithful presence in the midst of it. Okay, thanks. Thanks for sharing that. What I'd like to do now is I'd like to go through this question. What has been your common response to the secular culture? And uh, answer it according to some of the, the ideas that we put forward that have been common responses to the secular culture. And just go around and share, and um, maybe you might want to even ask that follow-up question. Has it worked? Because <laughs> that's the big honest moment of has the direction we've taken, has it, has it worked for us? Go around and do that, and then we'll come back. All right, now we're back and we're going to talk about uh, the, the message. And we kind of, kind of charted out a clear vision of the perspective we're to hold for the season that we're in as followers of Christ. And it very much aligns to the season in Israel's history where they were exiles. They were in Babylon. And in Jeremiah 29, uh, amidst the religious community that was basically saying, um, God's going to rescue us. Don't don't live in this land. Don't don't be that faithful presence. Be a, a special people. He's gonna he's gonna come back. Jeremiah says, "Do not listen to him." Right? Mm -hmm. They were liars. They were deceivers. Live in this land, because he promised in in seventy years he would bring them back. And sure enough, with Ezra, they would come back into the la the land. Seventy years later, a remnant of them would come back into the land. And we have, we have that picture in, in Jeremiah 20, 29 to build houses, be in relationships, even marriage, marry, marry together, have children and be blessed. And then even pray for the welfare of the city for in its welfare, you will, will be your welfare. And so you don't see this detached. You don't see this trying to, you know, build up a conspiracy to overthrow the government in this realm. You have wanting to be a faithful presence and making a difference there. And you see the same imagery brought in in, in 1 Peter 2, where he says that you're, you're exiles, you're a sojourner in this world, and honor Christ the Lord, right? Christ as Lord in your hearts, right? 
and be prepared to make a defense for the hope that's within you, right? For anyone who asks, but to do this with gentleness and respect. Mm. And then we talked about what kind of community we could be as, as people living as exiles, but being, having a faithful presence as exiles. So Brian, I'd like to hear, what's your major takeaway from the message that you heard this weekend? Yeah, and you kind of highlighted a good portion of it, but the, the reality of these people being in exile in Babylon, you kind of read that as a story of something that happened to them back then. Yeah. Then you get to Peter, and he all of a sudden uses that same language about this is how you're to live. You're to live as sojourners and exiles. And so you try to put yourself in the mindset of being one of those Babylonians, right? Mm-hmm. Who, or one of those Israel, Israelites in Babylon, Babylon mm-hmm. where you're, you're frustrated. Yeah. Do you want to make decisions to, to go back? Or how can I sabotage things for people here? Or how can I make this more about, you know what I want. Mm-hmm. And God's warning to them was like, you're here for now. Yeah. And until that 70 years, well, we don't have a 70 year promise. No, we don't have that in 70 years, something's going to look better, but we have till Jesus returns. That's right. And until Jesus returns, he, he's given us this call that we are to live our lives here. We're to figure out how to be in the world, but not of the world. Mm-hmm. And that requires that faithful presence about aligning to that biblical piece and making sure our lives continually look like the pattern that Jesus has put forward. Yeah, good, good. So I, I'd like to know what your, your takeaway is uh, from this message, from anything that you could recall. What was your one big idea that maybe the Spirit used in your life to get you thinking a little bit more or to maybe having you respond in a more biblical way to the secular culture around you? What was your major takeaway from this weekend's message? Go around and share your answers and we'll come back. All right, we're back. And we're going to kind of dig a little bit deeper on this topic of living as an exile because there's a competing perspective that uses the same Bible we open and read in Second Peter, and they just go Old Testament. And it says, no, we're not exiles. This is our land. We, God has promised this to us, and we're to go and see the culture like Jericho. It's the Canaanites. They aren't the people of God. We're to come, and we're to march around Jericho, and we're to destroy it, overthrow it, and move in. And so when you think about that, both you can open up the scriptures and give somewhat of a compelling case on that. I've heard a lot of the Old Testament preached with the fervor that would make us to move forward on that. Why, why, why not? Why not view the world as Jericho? <laughs> Brian, you got an answer for that one? Well, th- we talk a lot ab- about the way we engage the world, the way we engage these topics is mm-hmm. going to be done with truth and with grace. We've got to be able to handle both of those things. And the, the tendency when you want to treat everything like Jericho is you want to lead with truth and you want to lead with power. You want to come in and you want to overthrow and you want to make it look like the way that you think it should. And there's a, there is a lot of credibility to we want things to honor God. We mm-hmm. want to honor God with life, with sexuality, with, mm-hmm. with all of these things. But we also have to balance that with grace. We have to balance that with love, that we are called to be people who are going to be 
known by our love. That when Peter says you should have an answer for the hope that was within you, but you are to do so with gentleness and respect. And the season of life in which Jericho happened was just a lot different than the season of life we're in now. That was a theocracy or God leading his people into a land. We are here in a government that God has placed over us. And there are rules and laws that we have to follow because of where he has us in the time and the season. And so it is a good thing to fight for godly values. It is a good thing to stand up for what is true. But when those things become a backseat to the way we treat people, then our message gets lost in the delivery. And I don't think as people of God, we have the option to do that. Okay. So how is then the mission of the church different than the mission of Israel? Mm. Wow. I mean, we're, we're, we're really, really going, going to some good we're questions. Then. The, the, mission, the mission of Israel was the promise that God gave to Abraham. Mm-hmm. that I'm going to give you land, I'm going to give you children, and I'm going to give you blessing forever. Okay. And they had the amount of children, and they're, they're coming out of Egypt. They had exploded in, in numbers. They were given blessing when they came out of Egypt. They, were, they plundered the Egyptians, mm-hmm. and they were coming into the land. And God was giving them the land that he had promised them. And so we still believe that there is a promise of a land that is to come, and there's a promise of blessing that is to come. But we understand now that the blessing that we have is in Christ, mm-hmm. and he is setting up a kingdom that cannot be taken away. And so here in... in where in, Jesus is Lord. Where Jesus right? is Lord. Not one of us. Right. Yeah. And so we have a kingdom that will not spoil mm-hmm. and cannot fade, and yet we are oftentimes fighting for a kingdom here that changes based every four years on who's in office, whether we like it or we don't like it, which is not the kingdom that we have been promised. And so the mission of the church is that all people would come under the lordship of Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. and they would be about his reign and his kingdom and his purposes. And so that is the kingdom that should get the best of us. That is our mission, our calling. Yes. So you also see in the Old Testament the value of you're going to be a light of Israel to the nations mm-hmm. and come and see this God. So the nations were to come to the place of Jerusalem with the temple and see the glory and the greatness of God. Mm-hmm. Now our bodies are temples. As Paul said, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You've been bought with a price. Glorify God in your body. So we are now we are now the glory of God with the Holy Spirit residing in us like it used to reside in a temple. And we're to go and tell. It's the movement out, not the gathering in. So land is less important to the church. Yeah. It becomes the glory of God and the greatness of Jesus, right? Earlier in that second, in that first Peter two passage, he says, you are a holy nation, a royal priesthood. Like no longer for God's own possession. Not only do you have to, you don't have to come to Jerusalem anymore to, to see the priests. Like the priesthood is now going out. Yeah. You represent me. You are bringing the redemption of the world through Christ when we go out. That's, that's our mission that we yeah. get to be involved in. Okay. That's an important conversation to have because um, there's a lot of movements around uh, our, our culture uh, from a Christian perspective that equate the culture more like Jericho than like living in Babylon. And the New Testament perspective, including Jesus' teaching, is exile. This world is not your home 
He's calling us to make this world um, our habitation, but to use this, use all of our lives to make the greatness of Christ and prepare for ultimately the return of Christ, not the return of going back into a, 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 a nation like Israel was. Okay. We want to think of ourselves often as warriors. Yeah. And Peter calls us aliens, yep. exiles, and sojourners. Yes. And those are humbling terms. They are. They're humbling terms, but they also are, are um, if we could get a hold of it, we wouldn't have the drive for power and privilege and position and instead humble ourselves and be the humble leaders and servants as Christ. Okay. That's great. All right. Now, so now what I want to talk about is, um, is that picture of a compelling, a compelling community, the community we want to be. And I really kind of gave the vision of if we, if we each saw this, not just our leadership or in me and teaching, and if we each saw how God has crafted us to be an exile in this land and how he's called us, we're no longer in a career pursuing our dream. We are, we are kingdom-minded people. The priesthood is not a select group of people who lead in a church. The priesthood is the priesthood of believers, and we're living faithfully presently in the culture, holding on to the God and his word while also holding out a hand of compassion to our neighbor. What gets you excited about a compelling community that is, has, this, has this perspective of being sent out into the world so the church goes and engages the world rather than the come and see mentality of maybe the attractional church model that it's only going to happen inside of our walls? And if it's going to be, it's up to us in this place. What excites you about that? Yeah, so we do a lot of teaching with leadership development and yeah. what it looks like to develop leaders to go out to do the work of the ministry. And one of the things that really excites me is the word adventure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we have interns, we, we don't say we're going to have interns to make copies or to, to make yeah. coffee. No, we want to give them real life ministry experience to teach them when you leave here, like, you get to go out and do this. And what would it look like for this group of people that gathered at 10th and Urish on Saturday night or Sunday? Mm -hmm. You know, we have, I don't know, 1,500 adults who come and sit through the worship service. Mm -hmm. What would it look like for them to leave and go into the marketplace, go into their families, mm -hmm. go into the ball clubs, and just simply be a faithful presence? You don't have to hit people over the head with social media. You don't yeah. have to be ready to preach a message on the fly. Mm -hmm. But by the way they carry themselves, by the way they love, by the way they stand for truth, yet also care for the people that are in their path, mm -hmm. that is all of a sudden such a greater influence that our church can have beyond what happens on a weekend. Yeah. I, I like that, that metaphor Jesus gives of salt and light. What could happen if I brought a difference, that there was, a, there was something different about me that people might not be able to put their finger on fully, but they can taste it. They can mm -hmm. taste that I've made a difference there. I've seasoned this environment. And light, there's been something that I, there's been insight I bring into that they were in the dark about. And I could bring in something about the goodness or the glory or the beauty of Christ through spending time with me in their lives. That's what excites me and it excites me, not just that I could bring that, but every week my perspective is I get to see everybody who's there and I get to watch and see the eyes of people as I'm praying over them and 
blessing them. And that last, that last prayer is a prayer of sending because we believe we need to be a sending church of people who are faithful presence in the secular culture and bring light into darkness, salt into a basically tasteless world and make a difference in that. I'd like to hear from you. What excites you when we think about, when we think, when you think about responding to a message like this, of being a part of a compelling community, not just defined of what happens within these walls, but what happens with most of your time, most of your influence, most of your work and effort outside of the walls of the church, but pretty much right in your vocation, your calling from God to be a faithful presence. What gets you excited about that? Go around and share that. All right, in closing, um, I want Brian to share a little bit. You, you came across a passage that just reminded you of the difference a faithful presence can make in a culture. Why don't you just share that with everyone? Yeah, in, in the book of Acts, when Peter and John, they've been doing these miracles and they're preaching in Jesus' name and they get brought in front of the Sanhedrin. And uh, it says that the Sanhedrin could tell that Peter and John had been with Jesus. Yeah. And just when I think of a faithful presence in our people, when our people go out and they're that salt and light, mm-hmm. I just can't wait for people to go, they've been with Jesus. That's right. That's right. So that's the picture. It's not our images. It's not our uh, the, uh, protecting, defending, promoting. Mm. It's really about Jesus and making him greater through all areas in our lives. Thank you for being a part of continuing the conversation in our culture mo- cultural moment. And God bless you as you continue to follow him and live as a faithful presence in the secular culture that you live in.